Are you ready to bring your real estate game to the next level? My name is James Prendamano. I'm the CEO and founder of Pre-Real. And over the past 25 years, I've closed over a billion dollars in transactional real estate. Each week, I'm meeting with outstanding investors, high-performing individuals, and visionaries operating in the real estate space. These are the people that are actually out there in the real estate game right now getting it done. This podcast aims at bringing anyone's game to the next level. This is the Pre-Real Podcast. Welcome, everyone, to the Pre-Real Podcast. We're joined today by Winston Robson. He is the CEO and co-founder of WeMeta. So WeMeta, uh, essentially, they're the premier platform for digital real estate uh, where you can buy, sell, manage NFT land. Uh, we were doing some homework on them here in the shop, and, and a couple of people had said they're kind of the Zillow for digital real estate. We're super, super pumped to talk to him. Winston, thank you so much for taking time out of the day to join us today. James, thanks so much for having me. It's going to be fun. Yeah, no doubt. So uh, everybody you know, is, is talking about the NFT craze. Uh, everybody seems to uh, at least now have a base uh, of knowledge. And, and I, I think that's a, probably a good place for us to start. But before we, we get into what is an NFT and, and those basics, uh, you're a young guy. The company is, is, is young. It was just formed in 2021. You've had wicked success. Congrats, by the way. I know you just Thank closed you. out a, a raise over a million dollar raise. That's, that's amazing stuff. Uh, how did you how did you end up in the NFT land and and the the digital real estate world, if you will? What's the background? Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah, it's a bit of it's a bit of a story. Um, so I I dropped out of college to do a real estate startup. Actually, I wanted to do buying and selling houses on your cell phone. Uh, the reason I thought that would be successful is I had just done a commercial real estate internship in London, and I had thought that uh, I noticed that my boss did most of his dealings on his cell phone, whether it was sending an email, calling somebody, uh, looking at different listings, comparing different listings. And we're working in commercial real estate, but I'm like, you know, I spend a lot of time on my cell phone too. I was spending a lot of time on Zillow actually, uh, looking at different places, trying to figure out, you know, where I wanted to live after college. I go back, I was studying at the University of Arkansas at the time. uh, And for whatever reason, I convinced myself that the move was to to this app and I wanted to move out to California and it was going to be fantastic. And so I studied real estate, a little bit of coding for about a semester, skipped all my classes in May, left, said I'm never coming back, got out to California. Turns out somebody else already has the app. They had $8 million in the bank. And that's when I learned how you do market research and why you do market research. Because I couldn't go back at that point. <laughs> and so and so I'm just, you know, shit out of luck here. Uh, in San Francisco, um, which, you know, is an interesting spot to be in as, as a 19 year old, um, you know, with like no responsibilities or ties. And, and so I just started selling houses in the, in the Bay area there for a while. And I did that, you know, for a couple of years, and I was really dissatisfied with the lack of data and understanding that I could provide to people. I was again, coming from Arkansas, uh, where let's say, you know, 700 K buy you just about anything you want, any neighborhood walk into it. You got 700 K probably pick your house, honestly. Then I go to San Francisco where 700K, maybe if you're lucky, it buys you the dumpster behind someone else's shed underneath like a 10-story building, right? And so it was just to me, I couldn't comprehend it. And I was trying to wrap my head around it. Uh, And so I started pulling data 
I started actually collecting data because I was trying to code that app way back. And so I'm like, well, I bet I can figure out how to, how to code some sort of thing that collects data. And so I just started collecting data from my own website, uh, other websites, just simple Python web scraping stuff, right? It got, it got more complicated than that, but that's where it started. And, um, you know, made these reports and real estate was all right, but it, it wasn't exactly my niche. I, I wasn't selling to the right market. I wasn't in the right location. Maybe I could have moved to Oakland and it would have gone better, but I decided instead to go to Galvanize in San Francisco, which is a tech school. I learned data science there, about a four or five month program. I actually had gone to previous uh, October as well. So I actually did it over six or seven months. I uh, really took my time and tried to understand everything and apply it. And then after the program, I ended up teaching there. I was leading a whole bunch of workshops, classes with some people from NVIDIA was one of them. Uh, and they spoke about Rapids, which is this big data warehousing solution. And so it runs all these huge queries. It takes like a 20 hour query and makes, you know, five minutes and it runs on GPUs. It's fantastic. And so I started talking and writing about that. Went to Blazing SQL as a data scientist for a while and then started up coding Dojo's data science program. But during all that, it, it was like, I didn't feel like I was, I, I was, I was missing real estate. Um, interestingly, while I'm working on all this really cool data stuff, it's just like, where, where's the connection, you know? And so I'd actually, uh, the, the education programs for Curtin Dojo were in a stable spot. I quit my job, uh, went snowboarding for a month, and then started doing hackathons because I had some friends who wanted me to get into blockchain, Summit Near, Summit Chainlink. Uh, and essentially, for people who don't know, a hackathon is where you show up uh, to it's kind of a competition. It's kind of just a good time. And you come up with an idea and you code it, or you try to, you find, you identify a problem and you try to code a solution. And so I'm actually living in a shed in Las Vegas <laughs> at this time, um, which was really a lot of fun until it started heating up in the summer, let me tell you. Um, and that, then, it, then it turned to not a lot of fun very quickly. And so I'm doing all these hackathons and I come across this team at Web3 Weekend and the Initial idea, there's these games that I learned about right then, uh, actually that weekend. And it's like, there's this thing called Decentraland. It is a video game that has 90,000 parcels, which is considered their land. And that's the entire space of Decentraland. And it's essentially just a map that's been cut up a 300 by 300 grid. And you can buy one of those parcels and you can build anything you want on it. And so that was introduced to me and I'm like, Wow, I'd kind of heard about them at past. I'd heard about the central end of the initial chain link hackathon that I went to. And so I'm like, you know what, I'll check it out. And the idea was just to have a place shortly after that uh, where you could compare Decentraland, Sandbox, Omni Space, and CryptoVox. And what I left out there was shortly after that, I was introduced to the different worlds, right? So there's Sandbox, Omni Space, CryptoVox. These are the big four at that time. And it's like, wouldn't it be great to have a place where you can compare all these four and actually make decisions and understand the difference? Right. And so that's that's essentially what we kind of built out that weekend. Specifically, it focused just on the central end because, uh, you know, a much more advanced and easier platform to plug into. And from there, we've really scaled it to focus a lot more on data and providing people the best data to make informed decisions with their metaverse purchases. And so I guess that that's how I started. Uh, or, yeah, I guess that I started moving on up. Now, what, was there any influences or anybody in your life uh, at that point that was involved in real estate or was this a, a totally new gig for you? When, when I dropped out of college? Yeah. My half sister is a commercial real estate broker. Um, or was, has a broker's license. I don't think she works in that. She's an executive now or something at Collier's. Um, 
Okay. I reached out to some people. I like cold, I cold emailed people. And so I guess if you consider like cold email contacts as part of your life, I had cold email contacts. I had some who were in mortgage broking. And then before I went to the UK, I had actually worked for a financial firm. And so they like got the gist that I want to do this real estate thing. They introduced me to some really successful MLOs. And so I wanted to be an MLO for a while, uh, mortgage broker and or, or mortgage banker, really. And I'm like, yeah, it's just not my gig. The, the, real, the real reason for me, though, was once I had to start doing it, like theoretically, it's all fine. And from a business aspect, I probably like the mortgages better. But when it comes down to making individual sales, real estate agents get paid two and a half to three X what a mortgage broker gets. And I'm like, well, I have no contacts here. I have nobody who I can say, hey, you're looking to buy a house, right? And that's like the first step. Number one is when you get into real estate, it's like, get up all your contacts, let them know you're a real estate agent, yada, yada. It's like, I have no network out here. So we're starting from zero. Do I want number one to be at 1% or two and a half percent? And I'm like, I want it to be at two and a half percent. Therefore, I chose real estate and mortgages. Got it. So um, I, I don't want to bore the audience with, you know, what does this term mean? What does that term mean? Uh, I wanted yeah. to kind of jump in and talk about, because I, I think this is, the next frontier. I think it's wicked exciting. Um, I think that there, there are a lot of a lot of parallels between buying uh, a piece of land, you know, in the the, the real world, if you will, and buying uh, a piece of land on Decentraland, Sandbox, any one of those platforms. Mm -hmm. So when you go to the We Meta website, there are similar to the way we list properties. It has you know details about the location, um, distance to the road or tiles from the road, um, the amount of uh, distance or tiles to a district, um, and the price for it in, I guess, uh, is it listed in Ethereum on your site? Is that how you guys do it? Yeah, so so we, um, that's a complicated question. Uh, it, mostly Ethereum, we support Ethereum worlds right now, so you can buy all of them Ethereum, but the price is actually listed in whatever the seller wants to list it in. Right now, they're enabled to do that in you know, maybe five different currencies, like Sand for Sandbox, Mana for Decentraland. Uh, you could do Cube for Somnium Space, Ethereum, obviously, because they're all Ethereum-based worlds, USDC on Ethereum, DAI on Ethereum, your stable coins. And so those are the different currencies that could be listed in right now. So are you selling plots of lands for the platforms or for individuals who have acquired these plots already and they're now secondary market selling them i'm sorry what was the first part of the question so when when you go onto your site and and let's say uh i want to buy something in decentraland and i say okay it's it's parcel uh 62146 am i buying that piece from another third-party seller someone like me or are these parcels that are being sold or nfts that are being sold uh from the original platform, from Decentraland itself? Yeah, so right now uh, we're more of a secondary market in that sense where we're selling you know, uh, from you, from peer to peer essentially. In the okay. future, we will have Decentraland or whoever that game is selling those and doing their you know, like initial land offerings with us. Right now, there haven't been any that we've been working with that have done a land release uh, while we've been working with them. But this June, July, uh, hint, hint, wink, wink. All right. So um, certain real estate principles that apply in 
the practical world, the real world, and and I think that they also apply in uh, the digital world. So location, right? Location, location, location. Uh, mm -hmm. I think that that also applies here. So if you're looking to acquire for for those that uh, are looking at this completely from and you know the abstract and don't understand what we're talking about, think about folks. If you're buying a piece on Highland Boulevard in Staten Island, or you're buying a piece on Fifth Avenue, right? That's going to carry one price point versus if you're going and you're buying something on Hunter Avenue or uh, one of the the, the non-main back, back streets that feed Fifth Avenue in Manhattan. So there are districts, right, where there is a lot of activity in the game. Is that a fair statement? Correct. Sorry, I don't know why I would not mute that. There's districts 100% where a lot of activity is happening. Okay, so the districts, folks, are like our Highland Boulevard. It's like our Fifth Avenue. So um, people, we've been talking about this for a while internally, Winston, and uh, mm -hmm. as we've kind of gone through the process, you know, we, we get the objections of, uh, we, we, don't, we don't get it. Why would anybody ever see or what's the value of the land and the way I try to explain it, and I think I'm right, and stop me at any time if I'm wrong, but okay. if, if, if people are in this gaming environment, right, and there's stats that are available, folks, for Decentraland, Sandbox, uh, and, and, and so on, Superworld, uh, uh, Crypto, uh, I forgot what it's called, Crypto, uh, the other- uh, Crypto Voxels. Thank you, CryptoVoxels. So the, the same way that we have stats like traffic counts, right? If we're buying a commercial piece of property, we want to know how many cars are, are passing the, the property every day. Mm -hmm. There are stats available in the game of how many users are logging in to that game at any given time. And what you're gaining there is that's the captive audience, right? If you buy an, an NFT or, or this piece of, of real estate, because um, it's pretty goddamn close to tangible real estate as far as I'm concerned at this point. And <laughs> you, you know the people that are logging in, you know how many people are logging in. You, I, I would assume that there's all sorts of data available. Winston, do you know what the average age is of the player? Are you able to get into that kind of detail? Yeah, so I would say right now that data is not available for most digital real estate. That's the number one problem we, as we matter, are trying to solve right now is how do you actually collect this information so that people who are managing their properties can understand who showed up. Right now, we have a client that we work with. They're actually an investor of ours who owns about 5% of a very popular virtual world. And they have absolutely no clue who visits their property. They're getting thousands, tens of thousands of visitors a day. No clue who those people are. And so we started collecting data on that, doing customer segmentation for them. Right now, you know, I can't give you any specific details on the, on the, on the podcast, but that is a problem we're trying to solve. And I, if you look at a lot of our listings soon, they'll actually have stats like this available for everybody. So I wasn't even talking about visiting the individual parcel. That is insane. If you're able to pinpoint who's visiting the parcel, I meant stats mm -hmm. on... Who are the, the, the players? Who are the users of Decentraland? Who are the mm. users of Sandbox? I would assume that data is available, right? Average age group and so on, how mm. long they're on the game for? Not really. Really? Yeah, it's kind of crazy. <laughs> it's kind of crazy. And so it is interesting that you call that out now. It's like we've chosen to focus a level deeper. 
but as getting the level deeper, we'll also be able to surface the top level. Uh, a lot of this right now is because, you know, they're, they're signing in with the crypto wallets. How do you tell who I am with a crypto wallet? Yep. So there needs to be some way to kind of trace that back. What we're working on mostly is like, you know, player behavior. What are the behavior patterns? Who's into what? How long are they staying? What are they interested in? Uh, and so I think, you know, as we build that out, we'll be able to solve these more high level questions as well. So if, if I wanted to uh, acquire an NFT uh, in any one of these platforms, is there a way to, to research or, or verify who owns surrounding parcels? Mm -hmm. Yes, yeah, so you could look at their wallet address, certainly. Uh, there's a lot of bigger players whose wallet address is more public. Or in, say, the sandbox, they actually allow you to say, like, visually on the map, what land you own. And so you'd notice there's like a big Snoop Dogg section, there's an OpenSea section, uh, there's Rarible and other, other people as well who have put, you know, their logo on the map. And so in Sandbox, it's quite easy. They've made it very easy to do that. In the central land, so in space, you have to do a bit more digging. So I would think if, if you know, this is essentially advertising, right? The reason we were interested in acquiring a piece, uh, we, we trademarked pre-real, uh, we're going to... Uh, scale, right? We want to open up in, in multiple cities and backstop it with a raise. Um, but we felt that if we were able to open up, like even for now, if we built pre-real help centers where people can literally in the virtual world drop by uh, and ask any kind of real estate questions, just a, a free place that people can come and, and have uh, do, maybe host some talks out of it, offer free information if people had questions, and brand yourselves in the game. We're actually able to build like a, a, a virtual building, right? Like a pre-real help center, we can do that? 100%. I have a few recommendations for how you might go about it if you're interested. And if people wanted to come um, and ask a question, are we allowed to uh, ask them to you know, leave their email address or a way to correspond? With them, hundred percent, yeah, certainly. Okay, so folks, if you're able to acquire this location, um, you're able to determine because, like on some of the maps, you'll actually see where the roads are, and now uh, they're open platforms, so players can go kind of wherever they want on the map. But most people tend to travel along the roads; they hang around the districts, and where there's a concentration of players. Uh, you've got a better chance of being seen, being visible if you're closer to those areas. And the prices, from what I understand, commensurately go up, right? Significantly, the closer to the main districts. Uh, that's a bit complicated. So okay. what we're seeing, so that varies world to world right now. Uh, in the future, I think, you know, it, it will as well, but you're going to see like key, uh, key points of interest, KPIs. Uh, and so... Right now in Decentraland, the Genesis Plaza, the land around there is incredibly expensive and difficult to find, acquire anything you want. Even if you wanted to, say, rent it, it's just hard to get the opportunity. And so that's why land around, say, Genesis Plaza in Decentraland is very expensive. You have some other districts, for example, Vegas Fashion District, uh, our Vegas District in the Fashion District. Uh, and then you have you know, some places where larger investors are known to do events. And so those have a slight premium. Um, and so that's a little bit, but as you go to say something like the sandbox, it's more, you know, where is Snoop Dogg's house? Snoop Dogg's house could be in the bottom left corner. 
But right now, that's a huge demand for sandbox land. So land around Snoopog goes up. And so these locations can change uh, a little bit like how they do in real life. But in real life, it may take 50 or 100 or 20 years or whatever. And the sandbox, you know, let's say um, the U.S. government comes in and buys a huge plot of land. Area land around that would shoot up through the roof immediately. Right. Or let's say some huge real estate developers did so. Uh, and so then in uh, Somnium space, it's a bit all over the map, essentially. Right now, there's, there's, it's more determined about access. And so there's like kayaks in Somnium space, there's cars, there's different things you can do to have a great time. And so areas around places that enable you to do that, for example, land on an island or land near water does go up. But other than that, it's just kind of random. And the same with Decentraland and Sandbox, where it's like, other than those points of interest, it, it varies. There's no, not necessarily a huge decline, but it's just kind of more average, if that makes sense. But these, it, these worlds still need to be built out. And so as these worlds build out, I do think the theory of location mattering could, you know, become more valid. It's just right now, it's nobody knows where those locations are. So from a branding perspective, right, for me, it, it sure as hell will matter if, right. if I know that a bunch of people are going to go check out Snoop's house or they're going to go check out the, the fashion district or whatever it may be. Uh, I'm, I'm paying for eyeballs. That's the way I see mm-hmm. it. Right? I'm, I'm paying for exposure eyeballs um, uh, in the short term. In the long term, this is an investment like anything else is. Now, you had said you can rent it. I didn't realize that. So you can mm. acquire and rent your parcel? Yeah, it's actually something we'll be spinning up on our website soon. Uh, right now, you'd have to do it, you know, like a traditional deal, sign a piece of paper with somebody. But I, I have a buddy who's leased me their land in Centraland. I've leased people land in Insomnium Space. Uh, that's how you build on it, actually. You, you just lease it to the uh, person who's going to deploy the scene or work on the scene. Uh, Somnium Space, Decentraland, both have you know, foundational infrastructure to enable you to do this without having to say, send them your NFT. You can just add them as a controller or something like that or, or transfer. Uh, yeah, it's mostly the controller title. Um, and so these are things that the games themselves are thinking about as well and, and deploying because they see this land as having extreme value. And so you want to monetize it in ways other than selling it, right? And so uh, you, can, you can definitely rent it out. Wow. So- uh... It's kind of crazy. It, it, it's amazing. So the if we can kind of walk through it, uh, I want to open up pre-rail uh, help centers, right? So I contact you guys. Uh, are you able to uh, walk us through, uh, give us suggestions, explain to us where it is, or is this for kind of the higher level uh, investor in, in NFTs and you kind of click and, and that's what you're buying and that's, that's the experience? Do you guys cater to uh, someone like me that's just getting their feet wet and looking to find a specific location or, or what is the interface like? I like helping people. Um, so whatever helps people would certainly be down to help you. Are you talking more about the interface for our website or yeah, like so, as a company? So I, I want to I do this. We're, we're poised to do this. And there mm-hmm. was no way for us to find someone to help us through the process. So we went through- I got you, bro. You know, for us, it was a it was a challenging process Certainly. getting the wallet set up and 
and the passcodes that you could never lose and all of this nuttiness, right? Uh, but mm-hmm. it was it was not secondary. It was not a second nature to us. It was a, an arduous process. So we get through that and mm-hmm. now we want to buy a lot. Um, mm-hmm. We don't know much about the games, the traffic, where, how, why. Uh, so when mm-hmm. we come to your site, do we have the ability to speak to someone that, you know, if I say, hey, I want to open up a pre-real help center or uh, I want to open up, I don't know, something completely different. Mm. Do you guys interact that way and say, oh, you know where may be a great idea if you did it over here and here's the mm. parcels we have. Is that part of the experience? Yeah, that's exactly what we're building out. Oh. That's exactly what we're building out. Um, we can talk about it more offline, but like right now, if anybody has those sorts of questions, give me an email, give me a call. I got you. Uh, been through that pain. You know, I'm almost sorry that you had to experience all of it, but it's the early people who experience all that that are going to make a better experience for people later on. And I think there certainly needs to be a more streamlined process to onboarding people like yourself, even these larger brands come in. I mean, don't feel terrible. You know, you're kind of in a similar spot to say Nike is in or uh, whoever else wants to get in. It's just they have more resources, right? They have more teams. They have people who are focused. They can go hire somebody to figure this out, right? Yeah. Uh, and so they go get some whiz kid out of college or something. Right. And so there needs to be a platform where you can see like all these different experiences that are going on and be like, hey, this is a really good experience. If you wanted to do something similar, here's the tools you need. And that's that's exactly what we're building out right now. This is remarkable, man. So thank you. We're, we're going to come to the site. You're going to walk us through. We're going to acquire a piece of land. OK, mm-hmm. n- now what? Um, they're. Cool. On the platforms, are there limited amount of parcels that that's established now where, let's say, Decentraland is 90,000 plots? Uh, do they cap it? Like, is it, hey, we've got 90,000 plots, that's all we're going to have? Or yeah. do they do? So so this is complicated. In it's, yeah, it's complicated. In the sandbox smart contracts that determine their land and how you mint it, it's written into the contract that the map is 408 by 408. That comes out to like 166K parcels or whatever, right? In Decentraland, it's not actually in the contract, um, but it, it seems to be agreed upon. And then their DAO could theoretically pass something to add more land. The reason they wouldn't want to do that is because it would dilute the current land holders right now. And right now, the Decentraland Foundation actually owns about 70% of Decentraland still. And so, I mean, Sandbox still owns a significant portion of Sandbox. Somnium Space still owns a significant portion of Somnium. And they've been releasing these things as the game's ready, as people are willing to buy in. Because you know, they don't want to just sell it to anybody. That's a really concern that you just sell all of your land and all of a sudden nobody uses it, right? Sure. Uh, and so it is capped. But something really interesting that's going on right now is crypto voxels actually Last summer, they were a platform of about 6,000 parcels. They slowly creeped that up to about 9,000. And then they recently announced a plan to take it all the way to 90,000. Wow. And frankly, I think it's going to transform the game. I'm really excited to see what they do with it. I think it was necessary. Their community was kind of stagnant. And that's just what it boiled down to. They did really, 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 really well with getting these art galleries early on. Um, So people could display their NFTs. And, you know, a lot of people you talk to who are like OG, like I when I say OG, but now I mean like three, four years in, in crypto, maybe five years now. Uh, and so they have these NFTs that are like really cool and they want to show them off to their friends. 
CryptoVoxels was a great place to do that. Now CryptoVoxels needs to become something more. Uh, and so part of doing that was they actually increased their land amount. Now I will say they were, they were what, like one fifteenth the size of Decentraland as far as number of parcels, and then like one thirtieth the size of Sandbox. So their increase puts them more in this competitive range of how many parcels their, their land has. And so it's not an impossibility that people increase the amount of land they have. It's just unlikely. And then in some cases, it's actually coded in that they can't. Does, does that make sense? Yeah, it, it, it absolutely makes sense. And while the, the, the terminology and the uh, in practice, how this plays out, it's, it's obviously different, but the core principles are exactly the same as investing in real real estate. You're looking at traffic counts, you're looking at a targeted audience, you're looking at being in a, an area where uh, potentially there's more activity. Um, you're talking about the same inherent rights, the ability to rent and or develop, uh, the ability to display, like you had said, you know, promoting if you've got some really neat uh, limited, you know, NFT drops uh, from a couple of years ago, you know, uh, there's some really neat things out there. It, it's a, a, a reason and a place to, to drive folks if, if you're not in the business and, like I am. Yeah. And I, I would, I would say, you know, like humbly speaking and understanding that we're just playing a small role in this, but we met as here to help that transformation happen because, you know, two, three, four years ago, this was all speculative. Yeah. Right. It was just like, there's this game, it's called Decentraland. They release land. If you actually were like in the know, you know, like you're an investor level, perhaps you comprehended it, but everybody else is just like, ah, you buy it, it goes up. And so now we're seeing where you actually look at the traffic counts, you actually look at what you can do with the land. And so that's, that's what we're here to do as a company, essentially. Amazing. So um, we, we acquire the parcel. Now we want to build it. Um, do you guys make recommendations or is there a process where you point us to who and how and why? Um, yeah. And so, so right now there's, this is like something that we're just starting to tackle. What we've been doing is saying, Hey, we know some great builders over here. We know some great builders over here. Oh, go to that guy. He built basically all of the land for their entire, or built all the different buildings for our community or go to this guy. He actually built our plot. Right. Um, or, or go to this lady, she does whatever, right? And so um, that's what, how we've been doing it. There's these 3D marketplaces popping up and sort of like, <laughs> it's interesting. I want to say prefab uh, opportunities, prefabricated for anybody who doesn't know. Um, and so uh, like it's, it's, you know, already mostly built out buildings that you can customize slightly that fit your parcels in different ways. And so you know, the, how the next year will look is those will start to pop up and become more popular. There's also going to be more people doing custom builds and we'll see how it looks in the future. But I think builders are, you know, the most important part and the most critical aspect to actually turning this into uh, something real, if that makes sense. It, it makes perfect sense. And again, the parallels to investing in traditional real estate, it, it's astounding, right? If you're buying a prefab, there are certain limitations and there are certain things that come along with a prefab unit, not that there's anything wrong with it. Uh, and then when you're building custom, there's, there's, yeah, right. There's certain advantages and disadvantages to building custom. So again, the parallels are, are pretty remarkable. So uh, we come to your site, we acquire the piece, 
Um, you walk us through the entire transaction. We get referred out to a builder. Are, are there rules like, um, are there like design criteria or uh, other things you have to adhere to if you wanted to improve your NFT? Yeah. So, and like, let's take, let's take the central land, for example, the height that you can build up to, the more parcels you have combined into something called an estate, the higher you can build, the more compelling of an experience, in my opinion, you can build as well. Wow. Although I don't know, there's some, there's some crazy things that are smaller. And so it's almost like real life, you know, where it's like, if you have this huge, like if you got a football field, you can build an office building, right? If you got like a quarter acre, you can build a two-story house. And so, so the, 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 the height, you need more land. Uh, and then, you know, it allows you to build taller experiences. We work with uh, Jamestown. Uh, actually, they did a Times Square ball drop into Centraland. I think it was the tallest building at that point. And the size of that estate was 170 parcels. So just like, again, traditional real estate, the more land you have, the more FAR or floor area ratio that's available to build, allowing you to have a, a, a taller yield or a larger yield. Um, this is remarkable stuff. Um, I, I'm, it really it, is. It, it, it is so exciting. And again, the, the, the issue that we had, and I think a lot of people were having is you're really solving for it, that, that break between getting it set up and trying to understand how to navigate the world and, and you know, how do you convert to mana and how do you convert to right. these different currencies, right? It's, it's a lot for those that didn't, you know, weren't in on this from, from Jump Street. So you're, I, I think this thing is going to freaking explode. I mean, like this Hopefully, is man. wicked exciting. So you guys, um, do you know from a tax perspective, how are these transactions treated? Uh, is it, uh, are there capital gains? I can't imagine, but maybe there are. Are there capital gains when you're trading NFTs? Yeah, I, I would say first and foremost, I'm not an accountant. I have outsourced my accountant uh, to like I hired the accounting firm, you know, and so, um, and I'm not even trading at super high volume of NFTs. So first and foremost, ask your accountant, ask your lawyers. Uh, I know that, I would assume, you know, you buy an NFT, you sell it a couple of years later or like a currency or anything, you're going to see a capital gains tax. You sell it faster than that, you're probably going to see a short-term gains tax or, or just be taxed as income, right? Yeah. So thinking of it that way, um, has anybody explored the prospect of acquiring NFTs to shelter your gains? on the way in. So let's say someone is selling um, a, a office building, right? Mm -hmm. um, if you're doing like a 1031 exchange, it's a like kind exchange, it's pretty limited. I can't imagine that allowing uh, you to, to play in the NFT world, but mm. I don't know if, are you guys familiar with opportunity zones, OZs? No, I'm familiar with 1031s. So OZs, um, are far more flexible. Uh, you can OZ if you sell your wine collection, the same way you can OZ if you sell your real estate building. Um, hmm. I'm wondering if... And so what, do you, what, is, what is an OZ? So an OZ um, basically is they took districts that had historically low, um, I'm sorry, high unemployment, and they created these zones where they incentivize you 
to take your money and invest in those areas. So unlike a 1031 exchange where your money gets put into a trustee's account, you never touch it. Uh, you have to find a like kind exchange and dollar for dollar back into the next transaction. And OZ uh, is very different. You're actually allowed to take the money. Uh, very simple to get set up as a uh, qualified opportunity fund, a QOF. It's uh, basically a one form registration that an accountant can handle. You're allowed mm -hmm. to take the money in. And now if you invest it in the OZ, there's several benefits. The first benefit is you do not pay tax until 2026. So you have your hands on the full capital up until 2026. Depending on when you make the acquisition, you also get discounts. So if you had $100,000 tax exposure, I think the minimum one is 15%. You're saving 15 grand when it becomes mm. 2026. And you have to invest money into improving the parcel uh, or the building or whatever it is you've acquired over mm. time. They want you to create jobs. So um, what, we, what we theoretically could do is we can set up almost like a VC and um, we were thinking about doing this for um, for other tech initiatives, where mm -hmm. if we acquire a piece of property in an OZ and we have a startup or we have a company that locates in the OZ, we're allowed to invest in that company and any profits the company makes, if you stay for 10 years, is tax-free. Wow, wait, the, for, for the investor or for the company? So you're investing in the company. So your dividend uh -huh. is tax-free if you're there for 10 years. Ah, uh, because they need to take up the space of the OZ. So I'm wondering if there's a way that you can locate office infrastructure in an OZ and take in OZ money that mm. is otherwise getting taxed and have people start placing it in these NFTs. Bro, that would be... That would be next level. And I'd say certainly something, you know, we're working on is like void analysis instead kind of, you know, tailors towards these OZs to a certain extent. You'd have to slightly adjust it, but it's like, where are the OZs in the metaverse? And then can we get said tax authorities to say like, yeah, this is an OZ. That'd be interesting. Yeah. Um, and, and if not in the, the, the the lands or these in the, the 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 metaverse if not in these individual games locating your company in ozs would allow you to take those investments and deploy them and still be sheltered uh, i have a wicked wicked good oz uh, accountant i'm going to speak to him and see if there's a prospect for doing that if mm. there is like that is that is amazingly powerful certainly yeah let me know uh, how the combo goes that sounds fun yeah, 100%. So, uh, I mean, anytime as real estate investors, we have an opportunity to, to shelter again or, or be more yeah, efficient. Yeah, that's what we do. You know, that's, that's what we're trying it's to do. It's all about so, efficiency, right? You know, you guys are, like I had said, you, you, you had a successful raise already. Um, uh, are there any limitations on the states that you're allowed to operate in or, is it, or what does that look like? Right now we're operating as a Delaware C-Corp. So okay. uh, anywhere you couldn't do Delaware C Corp. Got it. I'd say there's avenues that, you know, we're exploring. Like if we started fractionalizing land, I'm pretty sure we couldn't sell that to U.S. citizens. Got it. Um, and the best way, uh, like I could keep you on for forever and a day. I know you've got mm. another <laughs> one coming up, but um, what's the best way for folks to find you? 
me, I'm on Twitter as Gumdrop Steve. The company is We Meta Tweets on Twitter, or We Meta World is our website. We're, we we push website updates more frequently than we tweet. Actually, at this point, uh, we're working on you know adjusting <laughs> adjusting that partially, but. Right now we're in build mode, so it's just push, push, push on the website. And so I'd say keep up with the website for sure. So folks, of course, as always, the links will be below, but it's wemeta.world. Definitely mm-hmm. go check out the website and you'll see similar to our website, these listings come up. It gives a parcel ID. It gives you the amount of spaces from the road, the amount of spaces from the districts, uh, the price and a whole bunch of other information. Uh, Winston, this has been fascinating. Um, I, I, I think you guys are onto something um, that is absolutely going to transform um, the industry in a, in a really significant way. I'm super excited for it. We're definitely going to be in touch. Like I said, we were about to, to dip our toe in the water here anyway. So all the best, man. Uh, congratulations on the success. And uh, look so me much. up when you're in New York, okay? I will. Absolutely, dude. This has been a ton of fun. I really appreciate you having me. Really fascinating conversation. I think, you know, especially as we got into the more technicalities between how these things could be similar, that's that's uncharted water. And so that really, really, really excites me. Thanks so much for having me on this. It's a lot of fun. My, my absolute pleasure. Uh, Winston Robeson, everybody. As always, please stay safe.